Hey everybody, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Dwight Howard is an octopus. Uh, we're going to get some thoughts on the Western Conference. Are the Dallas Mavericks good? And what the hell is going on in Minnesota and Philadelphia? Lots to do on Locked on Lakers today. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Um, so much to talk about today, and to do it, we are welcoming our friend. He's the host of Locked On Mavs. He is the host of uh, Locked the Locked On NBA podcast on Friday. All of that here on the Locked On Network. Nick Angstad, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. It's good to see you. Gentlemen, as somebody that grew up as a massive Lakers fan, listening to ESPN LA, it's an honor to be with you guys. It, wow. it is. It really is. No, I I, under, I appreciate that you recognize. They apparently didn't agree, but. Yeah, <laughs> twice. But that's. Um, they brought us back just to make sure they were correct the first time. Nope, not an honor. <laughs> I was funny. Like, I, I was doing, a, I did a, a hit with uh, Roger Lodge, who's just an institution in Orange County for people who live out here. He's been on for, I think, 13, 14 years, like, straight. Um, and. Uh, he he i was congratulating him for being on for so long and he i compared him to like wolfgang puck he's like you know he's been he's an institution andy and i are like a very successful food truck like <laughs> we've been at it for a long yeah. time it's actually we've a good way doing of it. You, kind of, you do occasionally have to look to see where we're parked <laughs> um, yeah and all the but, big events and festivals right <laughs> yeah but but the food truck has yet to go out of business it, no it's, if, it's it is a successful going. food truck. even if sometimes it's like where are they in chatsworth no west la we're, we're, <laughs> like, we're, they're, we're, they're all over <laughs> check your instagram and you can find us um so before we get to the lakers like you know your thoughts on westbrook and everything that they've done and whether they're going to win a title and all that but before we start, so dwight howard on wednesday's episode of the masked singer was the first voted off the island he uh, he is the giant uh, purple octopus or whatever um he did an, uh, a rendition of tutti frutti and uh didn't win apparently he can we all agree like everybody said like he was actually pretty good like i was impressed with how good dwight's uh singing was on the show dwight howard the, the consummate en entertainer like always doing stuff being goofy wanted to joke around finally got to be himself it feels like right like finally got to be i'm gonna put a mask on not worry about what people think about me and just go out and do what i want to do good for him man i felt I was, I was excited for him. He That run in, in Los Angeles was just, uh, the first one at least, was just such a beat down on his like fun-loving attitude, it felt like. Well, Andy, that, and that's exactly what I thought of like when, when it was revealed. Like, oh my God, had Dwight done this in 2012, there is literally no event that would have gotten the city to burn. This is what he looked like, then. by the way, folks. This is Dwight <laughs> Howard as the octopus. But that is uh, purple, right? I'm also colorblind. It's it's like different shades of purple. He Honestly, like he looks like a cross between... Like Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, like Jim Carrey's <laughs> character in The Mask, and a pimp oh, as the, an octopus. And the, <laughs> the guy from uh, Princess and the Frog that the but that uh, is definitely an octopus. Like if if octopus if octopi were pimps, that yes. would be the hat they would wear. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, octopimps. 
the magenta <laughs> coat and then like the pink like tentacles on the head. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's a lot he, going on. He's a purple octopus with uh, wearing a purple uh, like a purplish pinkish suit with a furry purple collar, like huge furry purple collar, and then uh, tentacles. Yeah, we can't out see the his shoes to see if they got goldfish <laughs> in them. But like I, or so I saw that I saw that coming across Twitter last night, Andy, and I th the thought that absolutely came to my mind was, oh my god, if he had, if this had happened in 2012 in Dwight's first run here, the city would have burned down. Like <laughs> no sentence gets this place to burn faster than Dwight Howard is the singing octopus. Well, I don't know if the city would have burned down because it wouldn't have been necessary since Kobe would have already murdered him uh, before <laughs> before anything could have been done. Like that is the thing that would have just set that tension over the edge. Like Kobe, he's just, you know, he's winding down from a 14-hour workout, you know, right after <laughs> right after a game. Like on the heels of a game, Kobe's worked out for 14 hours and he's ready to, you know, retire and go sleep upside down like a bat as, <laughs> as he does in a cryogenic. For, for 47 seconds. Right. <laughs> well, he's also writing like a musical or like. Right. <laughs> before starting the day anew. Um, and he just decides to casually flip some channels and he sees his teammate Dwight Howard that he can't stand on national TV dressed as an octopus. And he says, you know what? I'm going to murder him. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to learn what this all was later, but I'm going to kill him. And, and Nick, nobody would have prosecuted him, right? Like there's not a, like, you would just like, <laughs> I'm, I, the, the attorney general's like, look, I know what the law says, but there's not a jury of his peers. that's going to convict here. Like nobody's going to, like he would have just gotten off scot-free. Especially if it was a judge in Los Angeles, they would have understood. They would have been like, you know, he probably should have not been doing oh, that. I, I think Kobe would have been smart enough to wait to commit this murder in Los Angeles. Like he would not have done it on the road. Or he would have been another masked individual where they just <laughs> couldn't tell who he was. I mean, no, was just... I think Kobe would have known, wanted everybody to know exactly who did it. <laughs> That's like, a very I, different show. I don't think he masked... would have wanted any ambiguity. The, the masked, masked murderer yeah. is a very different show. <laughs> By the way, uh, Nick, as, as a Mavericks guy, how jealous are you that uh, we now with the Lakers have had Dwight thrice? <laughs> you guys have not even had him once, and you went after him hard. The Mavs tried really hard. I don't know if you remember. Go look up Dwight Howard comics. There was a like an incredible pitch for Dwight Howard to come to the Mavericks with, uh, and also Carmelo Anthony, and also you got DeAndre Jordan, who the Mavericks did have once, but tried in 2015, <laughs> if you remember, and it did not go mm -hmm. over well, and the the house with Blake Griffin and the door and everything. So yeah, all the all and Rondo who was with the Mavericks did not work out at, at all. <laughs> no. Uh, and so now there's all these players that the the Mavericks tried to get that now in their twilight years the, the Lakers have. I I I'm really starting to dig some of like the the way that every old person in like who has ever been connected to the NBA is leaning <laughs> into I might try to work out for the Lakers. Like Monte Ellis is now like a rumor <laughs> Which, sure, I'm on board. <laughs> like, why not? Monte Ellis hasn't played NBA basketball since 2017. Like, think about the things we were doing in 2017. Like, I didn't even host Locked On Mavs, and I've done it for five years now. No, I mean, it's, it's one good. way to make you feel good about the Fareed workouts. <laughs> the him, too. You know, Nick uh, Nick Collison, Darren Collison. I mean, all these <laughs> Nick guys. Collison Nick too. Collison, yeah. why not? <laughs> why not? I just, it, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me. Um, <laughs> I'm ready for Joe Johnson, right? Like, I'm just ready for Joe Johnson on the Lakers. He's trying to make a comeback. There's been rumors about it. He's been the MVP in the big three. He could still He's make a shot. Crushing the big three. Let's crushing go. the big three. Bring him on. And, he, you know, and he would not do that much to uh, to affect the overall age of the team. How, where, 
Okay, so like, you know, Carmelo Anthony made the 900-year-old grandma joke and all these other things. <laughs> and and the Lakers are obviously kind of as as a team sort of leaning into this a little bit, you know, the the doubters and the haters and all that. How much do you think the age actually matters? Because in some ways it does and in some ways to me it, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it's fascinating because there's multiple things. You obviously they have so much experience. Like, okay, is too much experience a good thing? Probably not, right? With the Mavericks, we're looking for, can we get one guy that's been in the NBA 10 years? Like the most tenured, I think Maverick is now like Dwight Powell, I think is probably like the most, or maybe Boban is the oldest, I think. And so now we're like, can we just get one guy to come in and be that guy? But now the Lakers have how many guys? Like seven, eight guys that have been in the NBA 10 plus years. And Kent Bazemore and Anthony Davis are close to that as well. So is too much experience a, you know, a bad thing? Probably not. But then you look at, all right, if a couple of these guys go down to injury, and as you get later in your career, that can be easier and easier, then all of a sudden, does that depth like completely get affected by you know these guys? It takes them longer to come back from injuries, and they're more susceptible to injuries. And so I feel like that's where it matters more than just the on-the-court stuff. Because we know like these guys can still play. That's why they're still in the league. Uh, we will ask you now the obligatory, what do you think of the Russell Westbrook acquisition? Because obviously uh, that was the big thing for the offseason for the Lakers, but also – you know, his his entry and his fit with everything, you know, is going to, I think, determine how this season goes, maybe more than any single factor. Right. It defines every other question that you ask is all centered around first and foremost, what do you think of Russ? It's a big swing. It's a it's a real big swing because it can go very poorly. It went kind of poorly for the Rockets. The Lakers were sort of at the other hand of that, at the other end of that, where they made it go poorly for them a little bit. But the Lakers were the team that was backing off of Russell Westbrook and saying, shoot, go ahead, shoot in the playoffs. Like we will let you shoot whatever shot you want. Go ahead, take the jumpers. And so now it's this is the ultimate test, maybe, of can LeBron turn this player into a viable blah, 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 viable title player, viable, you know, starting point guard on a, you know, title team, basically that that's the the end of it. So you're betting a lot on, on LeBron again, and it's a great move for the, the, the regular season. Everybody's made that point, right? It's a great move for the regular season. He's going to eat up a lot of minutes. It's essentially the, the Montrez, what you hoped Montrez Harrell was going to be right in the regular season. Like, which by the way, he did. I mean, he, Montrez did fine in the regular season. He did what he was supposed to. Yeah. It's that, it's that type of a, you know, a role for him, but you need him to do more. He's making $40 million. Like that, that they invested a lot into this Russell Westbrook situation. And so, yeah, I don't know if they have enough shooting around him to be able to make it work. They tried, they added a bunch of dudes that can shoot. So hopefully uh, as a, as a personal guy that grew up as a Lakers fan born in Southern California, I, I hope it works out a lot, <laughs> but if they play the maps, it may not be. <laughs> How much crap do you get for that? I mean, oh, like my co-host Isaac Harris on Lockdown Mavericks may hate the the Lakers more than he likes the Mavericks or likes anything. And so it's a daily basis it, it comes down. But hey, it's you know, can't help where you're born and then when you went to, where you went to school and all that kind of stuff. So So um I we we need to find out what's going on with Dallas because uh I think the Mavs might be as polarizing a Western Conference team as is out there how much of a contender are they are they uh, enough even to uh to contend with the lakers we will ask nick that question next
Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Bars covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft. They are easy to chew. I'm not going to call out the ones that you can't chew by name, but you know who they are. They're deadbeats. They require like an entire construction crew just to get through that bar. But that is not the case with Built Bar. They are healthy. They're great for health conscious people. If you're trying to lose or maintain weight, they are low sugar. They're low calorie. They're high protein. They're high fiber. They're great for the keto crowd and they taste delicious. As always, you got the 12 original flavors like raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, banana bread, new flavors, including cherry bar, not cherry barcia, cherry barcia. Cherry <laughs> barcia is actually a little too on the nose and gross and cannibalistic. <laughs> Lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream, perfect for someone like me who loves basically every taste on the planet. Although and maybe human not, flesh. <laughs> right. Maybe not Jerry Garcia. That might be. Although I will say this. Let's be perfectly honest. He's been gone a long time. I'm he, not sure literally how much meat's left on that. I don't know, man. You eat the <laughs> You eat the Jerry Garcia, you are in for an experience. You, That's true. you better lock yourself out about you know ten to twelve hours for <laughs> to be occupied mentally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Drugs. Uh, go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You get fifteen percent off your first order. Again, promo code LOCK15. Fifteen percent off at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, we just lost to the network. Apologies to the network. After losing Sweat Block last week, we now have lost Bill Bar. <laughs> um, so, so we we talked about this with a lot of people, Nick. And hard to believe times were turbulent at ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> we let you go twice. Can't the imagine why. Tire may be flat now. <laughs> the marketing department slashed them. AAA um, is not coming to fix the tire. <laughs> So, you know, you know, most most people who look at the NBA, look at the offseason, kind of have the Lakers up in, in the if everything works the way it's supposed to probably, uh, uh, you know, a little bit better than than everybody else, especially in the playoffs. People throw in Utah, they throw in Phoenix. Um, and then after that, it, there's a lot of speculation. Golden State. Well, how healthy is Clay going to be? It starts there. Dallas, though, is a team that people love to put their finger on. It's like, ah, watch those guys. They could make the big leap and make the challenge. And I'm not saying they're going to suck. I mean, they could win 50 games. But can you explain to me why they're poised to go from what they were last year to something more than what they were last year, despite the fact that the team seems pretty similar to what it was? It, I mean, it's just this guy. It's Luka Doncic, right? Like, that's the, that's the reason why people are high on him. He's become, you know, is this sacrilegious to say this on a Lakers podcast? He's the the best offensive player in the NBA. I mean, he has become a guy that is an offensive engine in and of himself. He has done more. No, it's with... fine to say, Nick, our guy plays uh, defense. <laughs> Luca is Luca got a defensive player of the year vote. It, it may not have been a legitimate one, but it was a defensive player of the year vote. Hey, has anybody actually dug in to figure out where that came from? Greg Logan. He okay. he writes for like a uh, like uh, SYN in New York or something like that. But yeah, we we. It's a it's a long time bit on lockdown. <laughs> Explain why he hasn't Greg seen Luca. Uh, but it's just about it's just a respect for Luka Doncic. Whether you agree with me that he's the best offensive player or not, he has become no, a player. He's great. I think that's I think that's absolutely a fair statement. You know, oh, he's not the real. best player in the league, but he as an yeah. offensive player, I would I think as I, a generator of offense, who's better he is up there with anybody. Yeah, and he can take this team to wherever they want. Like he took that that Clippers team at full strength to seven games, and it took a Kawhi Leonard fifty point game for them to to you know, to, for the Clippers to win that series. And then, you know, then he, then they get injured and all that stuff. But 
uh, it's just about that. And so for the for the Mavericks, you look at this team and you're like, okay, they did get a little bit better. I I reserve that they got probably 10% better players wise. They added Reggie Bullock. That's more shooting. They replace you know JJ Redick. They replace Josh Richardson, who was a just a big negative for the Mavericks. Like he should have fit in everything he does. It should have worked. It should have been that upgrade for a defensive guard to pair next to Luca. It just didn't work. There are so many other reasons. He was out with COVID. He struggled in you know. Uh, the beginning of the season just to hit a jumper, like all that kind of stuff. But Reggie Bullock should be an upgrade there. They also bring in Sterling Brown. That's some more depth. And Christoph Porzingis, I, this has been a bit on Lockdown Maps too. Take a drink. First healthy offseason of his of his career with the Mavericks. I mean, how, Cuban has said this. Nico Harrison has said this. Jason, Jason Kidd has said this. But it's true. And he's coming into the season hopefully in better shape than he's ever been, getting to work on skills and getting to work on conditioning instead of just rehabbing and rehabbing every single year. And so... That's the reason why people are high on them is they got a little bit better and Luca is just incredible. What is but sorry, what does a healthy Porzingis mean though? Because even like it's you talk about trying things, Richardson. I mean, Dallas has had a history of trying a lot of stuff over the last few years and never quite working. And Porzingis is a huge part of that. And like whether he's healthy or not healthy, the fit there. You know, talk about Westbrook and the Lakers, but the fit with Porzingis and Dallas hasn't really been smooth. What changes this year, even if he's healthier? Yeah, so Porzingis, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of flack because of what he became and what his role was asked to be. What his, what what they asked him to do in the playoffs. He played against this Clippers team who have all these wing defenders, like so many guys that can defend him. And Porzingis is bad against wing defenders, so it just made him look his absolute worst. But in the regular season and against Pretty much any other team that can that you know doesn't have excess wing defenders to, to lend to him. Uh, he's a twenty point per game scorer still. Both both seasons in Dallas, he's been a twenty point per game scorer, and he spreads the floor in a way when he's playing the five. He spreads the floor in a way that gives Luca so much space. This is why you see Luca. He was one of the top players in scoring in the paint a couple years ago because just the amount of space that Porzingis gives him, and so having him out there. Where he struggled the most was on defense, but offensively he's he's giving you a lot and he's giving you uh, enough to make the Mavericks one of the best offensive teams in the league. But the defensive side of the ball is where they're going to struggle, and that's what they ran into in the playoffs and why he's his stock has now dropped so far because people have just looked at those two series against the Clippers and said, "Man, well this guy can't play." <laughs> uh, what what's your thoughts on uh, Jason Kidd? Taking over as head coach, um, you may have noticed um, his entries into head coaching or sometimes even just being linked to a team, I won't say which one, uh, but that ended up hiring Frank Vogel instead of him um, with Kidd over his shoulder. There's been controversy, Nick, swirling around uh, Jason Kidd wherever he goes in the coaching ranks. Yeah, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> I hadn't noticed anything. The Jason Kidd and Chris Porzingis is still a big question mark for sure. Like that one, I that's what he I just explained what he brings, but he is still a big question mark for this team. Jason Kidd is obviously the other huge question mark for this team because you go from Rick Carlisle, who had kind of worn out his welcome in Dallas. People were getting tired of him. People were sick of, you know, Rick just uh, being Rick, essentially, <laughs> at the end of the day. But is Jason Kidd a better coach than Rick Carlisle? No, I, I don't think that there's any case for him to be. He would have to have grown a lot since we last saw him coach a team in Milwaukee. Uh, were those two years in L.A. when he was assistant and he was working under Frank Vogel and he learned you know, from coaching LeBron, coaching Anthony Davis, did he learn enough in those two years to become a much better NBA coach? That's the bet that Mark Cuban, Nico Harrison, and the Mavericks are making. And I hope so, uh, but I am, I'm concerned about it. And there's a lot of other questions, you know, about 
kid off the court. I'm sure that, that you guys have, have you know gone yeah. through and talked mm -hmm. about with the Mavericks. It hits a little bit different because they went through all the stuff that they went through two years ago with the you know sexual harassment, the just the uh, all that kind of stuff with the Sports Illustrated article that came out. Um, so yeah, there's another layer on were, that with with Jason Kidd. Were you surprised along those lines that they ended up hiring him? Because the the Lakers, it was obvious, wanted to hire Jason Kidd after Luke Walton, but felt that the optics they just couldn't do it, and they went through this weird thing where they were requiring him to be on the staff of anybody they hired, like basically trying to sneak Jason Kidd in through the back door, which is impossible to do. But like, it, it was clear that they were not comfortable with this and somehow decided that they could live with paying him, but just right. not hire him, him as that job. As the guy who you could use just in case it doesn't work with the but, guy that you do hire, but hiring him just straight away wouldn't be good. Right, but but the Lakers didn't have, Nick, before I let you go, just the, the, the same context with what was going on within their organization as Dallas does. Yeah, it completely. Exactly. I had people, obviously, I just said that I grew up a Lakers fan. And so our listeners know that I'm a Lakers fan. They say, well, kid was hired with for the Lakers. Did you did you make a big deal about it? Then I was like, well, I don't have a Lakers podcast. But uh, <laughs> with Jason, with Jason Kidd, the Mavs sort of kind of did the same thing. They're like, OK, well, it was reported that Nico and Jason Kidd were a package deal and they were both going to come together. So if you wanted Nico Harrison, you're going to get Jason Kidd. So he's kind of brought in in that way, too, in the, in the back door. So. Yeah, I was I was surprised. There's one factor in all of this that I don't think it's mentioned enough because I don't think people outside of Dallas know this or understand this. When all the stuff happened with with the Mavericks with the SI article, you know, Mark Cuban goes on the jump and he's you know crying and talking about how we're gonna fix this. He did bring in uh, Sint Marshall, who was mm -hmm. you know really high up in AT and T and now got got brought in basically to be the the fixer to be the person that sort of fixed the culture and fixed the uh the dallas mavericks on the on the business side and all that kind of stuff and she has become the person that is sort of the the moral compass of this this organization she met with jason kidd beforehand they sat down they talked and uh she said that you know, she's the one that kind of vetted him and and walked walked him through his past and walked him through the domestic violence and walked him through the dui stuff and walked him through all that kind of stuff to see where he was at now compared to where he was before and she gave her stamp of approval and so that's what we're we're basing it on all right her acceptance is now uh the mavericks acceptance for him as, as a coach and you know take that as you will some people say that's not enough uh, some people say that I trust St. Marshall and I personally trust St. Marshall. Um, but I still would not make the choice because of a bunch of other reasons. Cause I don't, not sure he's the best coach or was the best option to begin with. So what do you think of the, the, the Nico? Cause like the front office, you talk about it, like is, is also been, well, there's all been a lot of churn there too. You know, it was Thursday. Bob Volgaris was, I guess, not renewed. Uh, not terribly surprising if you've been following kicked the news to the over curb, there. Brian. He was kicked to <laughs> kicked to his with him and his calculator, his analytics curb. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, but like Nico Harrison is is an unconventional hire as as GM. And, you know, it's a little bit like what the Lakers did with Rob Palenka in that sense. Um, what what is expected to be different? How do you think this moves them into sort of a, a a, a more stable era and hopefully one for Mavericks fans, at least it's a little more prosperous in terms of actually winning, <laughs> yeah, like winning well, big things as opposed to being on the edge of it. Yeah. The stability of it is actually different. Now the Mavericks haven't made a change at GM. I mean, Donnie right. Nelson's been there forever. Like, I mean, were you guys covering the NBA when Donnie Nelson wasn't in charge of the Mavericks? Like, 
<laughs> we actually go far enough back that we once did a magazine assignment for ESPN the magazine w- involving the Mavericks, and Don Nelson was the coach at the time. Yeah, it's he's so. been around the Mavericks for like 23 years or something like that, and so he's been in and around. Rick Carlisle was the coach for 13 years, so now this the Mavericks were looked at as this you know stable franchise, but. Eventually, that stuff just it it wears out, and Donnie Nelson wasn't the best, you know, talent evaluator anymore. He didn't get the you know the best deals and all that kind of stuff. The Porzingis deal was you know by and large a good one, but uh, there's all kinds of different moves around the edges that they just weren't capitalizing on. And so now you bring in Nico Harrison, and the the way the Mavericks are pitching it, it's all about relationships. It's just like it's just like Bob Myers. It's just like you know uh, mm-hmm. Leon Rose. It's just like Rob Palenka, like you just said. He has relationships with everybody across the league. Everybody wants Nikes. Everybody wants to get signed by Nike. And so he's been kind of scouting players since high school, and uh, been you know he was Kobe's like right hand man for a while for Nike and and all that kind of stuff. And so they're making this this big bet on him. And uh, yeah, it's it's a big swing. It's also sort of giving Mark Cuban a little bit more power, I think, if, in terms of uh, in terms of player evaluation and player. Uh, he's sort of moved. I, I don't want to say that, I don't want to say it's kind of moved into like a Jerry Jones sort of situation well, where a, no, that, that he's going to be part well. of the brain this trust. Is, it's, it's this is be... exciting news for Lakers fans. Because whenever <laughs> the owner, whenever as the much as owner, Mavs fans love the Westbrook thing, I'm sure Lakers fans love the this whole thing with, with Cuban. If, if there is a takeaway that is going to make Lakers fans happy out of this is that Mark Cuban <laughs> is deeply involving himself in player evaluation. Um, that is it, excellent news. Mark Cuban has has said over and over again that, that Nico Harrison is in charge. Like Nico Harrison is has the that, but Mark Cuban's gonna have the final say. And so we know how that goes. I mean, you've you've seen owners. Oh in, yeah, no the, the aggregators that, are, the aggregators are gonna be out for that one. Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's look around the the rest of the, the of the league here because the the Ben Simmons thing first and foremost has been kind of a a shockwaves deal. Andrew Wiggins (laughs) in Golden State refusing his vaccine, which may keep him out of home games. Um, And Minnesota's changing its GM again. Um, So a lot happening, but let's start with Ben Simmons. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership anyway? Dummy, you rube, you mark. You can get it for far less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump, 353 bucks from a chain store. It's only 216 from Rock Auto. They're a family business. They've been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear Us About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by betonline.ag. It's back. It's better than ever. Football. All eyes are on the gridiron. Teams are back. We're into week three already. The NFL season, week something or other, the college season. Uh, it's a different calendar. I can't be expected to keep track. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with new updated sites, a uh, new updated site and interfaces, even more odds, props, Contests betonline.ag continues to be the number one source you need for everything football. So head on over to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 in doing it. Football, basketball, boxing, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Uh, take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports favorites. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So one of the things that um, 
you know, like fans always try to think about it with things that don't directly impact their team, like Ben Simmons, is like what what's it going to mean when it actually happens? Like right now, Ben Simmons is not going to play for Philadelphia. We don't know where he's going to land. The ripple effects of this, to me, Nick, are, are are like impossible to predict. I can't figure out where this resolves itself, especially if you're trying to figure out where, where Ben Simmons could actually land. Yeah, it's just one of those things to me where I'm like, let's just can it just happen already? I mean, everybody's just sitting like, what's going to change between now and when the season starts? Because he's going to get traded before the season starts, right? Are they going to roll into this? They're going to roll into the season without to Ben but Simmons. That's, wait, who? Like, Where can you trade Ben Simmons? You can't trade him to a team that's just going to throw picks at you because, well, you can, but you don't want to because they can do that. Crazier things. They're trying. To, they're trying to win a title. They There's going to be. Some, it's going to be some team that comes out of nowhere, like uh, like the Hawks are going to tra- <laughs> trade for, like trade for him and send stuff to him. And you're like, oh, didn't see that coming. And it's just going to some some owner is going to want to make a big splash. Uh, the the Minnesota thing, like we were going to talk about them, but they seem to be the prime team to make a move like that but they just made the change in uh in leadership so that maybe takes them off the board but maybe a new guy comes in quickly and then he's like i want to make a big splash right away especially they have new no some new ownership and all that they may want to do something like that well what's interesting i mean underscoring what brian just said like in terms of trying to figure out the nba landscape and the ripple effect from wherever simmons ends up going two of the teams if not the two teams that i've been seeing simmons connected to most are either Minnesota or Golden State. And the ramifications from those two teams are really different. Like if he goes to the Wolves, the Wolves become better, but they're not going to be in a title race. It's just maybe their odds of actually getting into the playoffs become incrementally better. If you really, you're really upset if you're Portland there, right? Like, because like their, their spot is threatened. Right, right. But if he goes to say Golden State and they manage to do that without giving up any of their big three, and you've got Ben Simmons in there as somebody who can take Steph off the ball, some set him up for shots, you know, increase their defense. That's a really different thing. And, you know, Portland is somewhere in between all that, but it's, you know, it's just going to be, Really interesting to figure out exactly how this affects the league because with with somebody like Simmons that is on top of everything difficult to figure out what team does he even work best for. I, I was li- this was a really interesting way of putting it. I was listening to uh, the Right Time uh, Bomani Jones's podcast and he had uh, Vinny Goodwill on as a guest and he I thought summarized Ben Simmons really well. He could theoretically be the best player on a team if you situated everything around him perfectly with just tons and tons of shooting, maybe a focal point in the middle that was mobile, something like that. But in theory, he could be your best player. He absolutely could be your third best player. What he can't be is your second best player. And that was a really interesting way of looking at it that I I hadn't thought about before, but it, it speaks to just Nick, how complicated it is just to figure out where he would even make sense. Well, and then once he does go to a team, let's say he does go to Golden State, does it it changes stuff for the regular season? Sure, maybe that makes him a better team. They have another viable player to to push him up. They have obviously a better defensive player. They were a good defensive team last year. Maybe they get they elevate even more. But in the playoffs, like is like a lot of Mavs fans are saying, well, what if we trade Porzingis for him? I'm like, okay, you take one player that is flawed in one way, trade him for another player that's flawed in another way, and neither of them have performed really well in the playoffs. And so does that really change a lot for your team? Does it really Well, well like, it depends though. With Gold, with Golden State though, I don't think it necessarily changes 
like assuming Clay is okay, because a lot of this hinges on Clay Thompson's health. But assuming Clay is okay and Steph is obviously Steph, I don't know how much would actually change in the playoffs for Golden State because you're not going to be you're not going to be looking for Ben Simmons to shoot in the regular season or in the playoffs, and and the need isn't the same. Whereas like with with Philly, it felt like there may have been more of a need for him to actually do that, unless you're really going to relegate him behind Tobias Harris, but. There was a lot of pecking order stuff that would make it so he wasn't that guy. Right. And and with Golden State, just to, to add on to what Andy's saying, like you could then put out a lineup. Oh, well, you know, there's the worry like Draymond and 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 uh Simmons are two floor. Well, okay, it's Draymond and Simmons, sure, surrounded by probably Steph, Clay, and Otto Porter if he's healthy. Like that's plenty of shooting and plenty of defense and a lot going on. I I would not want to have to defend that lineup. <laughs> it's a lot going on. I do think they are looking for somebody else to make a shot. Now, maybe like you said, Clay comes back and he becomes that guy, but the, the Draymond Green, Ben Simmons as a lineup, oh, that, that may like for all the spacing that Steph and Clay bring, does that just equalize like does that just equalize their normal spacing team now? But, but, you know, but Simmons those- cause Simmons causes a lot of trouble for teams on the move and he's not that's the thing it's like Andy was touching on it like he is the the playoff problems and not shooting at the basket and all that kind of stuff we saw all that but like it's also easy to over compensate like the guy is terrible he's you can't win with him it's all these like yeah you absolutely can it's Rudy Gobert it's Russell Westbrook it's like there are players in the league who are obviously elite but also have flaws that need to be acknowledged and compensated for. But if you can do that, you're not getting a crap player in Ben Simmons who, you know, it's not no. trading for John Wall <laughs> at that contract. <laughs> not that he, you know, he's just d- diminished. He can't possibly perform at yeah, that level. It, it's not trading for Chandler Parsons, right? <laughs> <laughs> in fair, so handsome though. You know, that was that was a very easy mistake. The recruiter. <laughs> I I do feel like the the Warriors are kind of looking for somebody else to to make their own shot. At least they maybe like you said Clay comes back and he becomes that guy, but I mean, by the way they do is- trade for him, Andy. I know you tweeted about this. It's brilliant brilliant tampering because it's reverse tampering yes. where you tank the asset and then now you can <laughs> like when they trade him for a package that is centered around Nico Mannion, we we will all know <laughs> what Joe Lacob was up to. I, I think Nico Mannion's out of the league. I don't think is it not. He won't be after this. They brought him back just for it. Yeah, he'll be there. Aaron McKee. They they bring him back (laughs) in just to do a trade. Wasn't Aaron McKee starting for the Lakers at one point? Next, no, No. he never stayed healthy enough to actually start. He was was brought in. Never played. What people forget, like the Smush Parker thing, and you know Smush for all the faults that he had. The reality is, his first season with the Lakers was way way better than anybody expected. Smoosh was also not brought in to start. He was brought in to be like a second or third string point guard. (laughs) Aaron McKee, who actually was brought in to start, couldn't stay on the court. So they had no choice but to go to Smoosh. Okay, we we touched on this a little bit before, but you know, the Wolves are connected to Ben Simmons and that situation is a mess. Um, One of the things though that jumped out at me that, that was so fascinating about this that goes back to the Lakers, but you know, you could understand this with as the Mavericks, as a team that's had to address its own culture and the revelations that uh, Gerson uh, Rosas was having um, an, a relationship with a you know a subordinate, you know, which obviously yeah, presumably. is presumably <laughs> a subordinate. I mean, there there aren't many people in the organization that would have been above him. <laughs> yeah. So 
like it, it got me thinking, and I don't mean this as a shot at either person I'm about to bring up, but just a reminder of how much stuff has changed in the way we look at things culturally. What went on with Phil Jackson and Jeannie Buss would never fly now. Like the idea of Man. the coach dating the owner, that would absolutely never fly again. That that happened. They started that relationship like well, she she wasn't the owner, like the the odds on owner, like at the time when he got. She was and she was, she was not yeah, the big the, boss, but she was right. an owner. She ran I business. She, I, mean, I, think she, I think she did have legally a piece of it. I, I you're right. I don't know technically what the legal arrangement was from Doc, but she was certainly it was it was very clear where it, ownership flowed. And it's kind of different in it's it's different when the the person in power is a is a female as well. Yeah, right? like people look at it differently. And it, it, yeah, it's and then Phil Jackson, but Phil Jackson always seemed like he was a bigger figure and more like of an adult, <laughs> or like more, you know what I mean? Like he seemed like he was a bigger. Well, I was about to say, like I think the, time, the, so the just, thing about this is like the power. You know, I mean, you go back to the the Clinton thing, like the um, you know, the the, the way that would be covered now wouldn't be a sex scandal; it'd be a power scandal, and rightly so. Mm. The president of the United States yeah. having an affair with an intern, like the power dynamic there is so far out of it's almost impossible to think of something where the the dynamic is that far out of whack and he would have been rightly um impeached for that and that that's how that would have played out today as opposed to something oh my god the you know president had an affair with the, like, the dress yeah, and right. you know all of that the the power dynamic with the lakers was so interesting it's like you say nick phil jackson was seen as as powerful as any person yeah. is certainly in the organization perhaps in, in ran the, jerry west out yeah i mean you know and you know technically subordinate to jerry west and and it, it gets to like sometimes i think sort of the, the the odd place that sports plays in these things because the players who are technically employees often have power that you know the agents have but in why it is so important to draw these lines and make sure that they are clear and make sure that they are followed because otherwise the potential for abuse there is very strong. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's just become just define what it is and be appropriate in, in the situations you are right. Like, and so, and I think with the Rosas thing, I think he was married as well. And so it was a, you know that kind of stuff, and, and, and apparently it wasn't doing the, his job very well. Yeah, right. And the the Timberwolves say the reason why they got rid of him was for performance reasons, and then also this affair thing did not help his cause basically to stay to stick around for a while. Well, I think the affair it, it it seemed like as more reporting has come out that the affair is what really brought the immediacy to it. Like the okay, we we yeah, finally okay. now have reached a place where this has to happen. Got to be done. Right. Um, right. How now. big of how big of a thing do you think? We'll let you go after this. The the Wiggins anti-vax thing, not just him particularly. That has a massive impact. I I, I ultimately think he will get a shot um, rather than give up home game checks for the rest of his career. I don't know, but um, the 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 role of COVID and vaccination. I suspect it's going to be by the time we're we're into the season, it's going to look a lot like the NFL where the overwhelming majority of players are vaccinated and you know and, and you get to take advantage of the less strict protocols and things like that that's my assumption but you know Wiggins is showing that it may not be totally true well the reason I think the reason why the Wiggins story is so big is we haven't heard many 
like players that aren't that aren't getting vaccinated or are against getting vaccinated. It's it's few and far between. And so mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting. Yeah, like you said, to see who is not on those protocols. And I think us that follow the team every single day, I think we'll be able to tell which ones aren't, which ones are because of, you know, are they at a practice or are they at a thing or are they uh, going through other protocols? Like, I think that will be will be pretty well known to us uh, that cover the team really closely. So it's, it's going to be fascinating because can he play in like New York or in California? He can games? Play, I think you can play in New York, but he can't play in San Francisco. Yeah. So that's, that's fascinating. And so for the one game they play in New York that year, he'll be fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but Andy, but, like, but I was just, I was just gonna ask you, Andy, like the, the, the NBA is, I think, clearly looking to try to model themselves after what the NFL is doing, which is we are not going to make accommodations to you or no. your team based on COVID this year, which isn't to say that COVID won't have an impact. Guys will still have to sit out games. They'll test positive. There'll be breakthrough cases and so on. But the league is not screwing around here. They're not going to interrupt their schedule anymore. No, I mean, your life as an unvaccinated player, like ultimately there, there's not going to be a mandate for a variety of reasons, but your life is not. Yeah. I mean, your life as an unvaccinated player is going to be difficult and unpleasant. And that is the point. Like you, you are entitled to make what I, I mean, speaking for myself, I think without very, very specific context is a bad decision. And I, I think in a lot of ways, it's a selfish decision. You can still make that decision, but there's going to be a price that you pay for it. If not economically, certainly in terms of lifestyle and convenience, and it's a case of negative incentives and it's. We've reached a place now. I mean, this just isn't in sports. In sports, I think this is societally as well, where negative incentives may be the only way and the most effective way that that you get the majority of people vaccinated, because just about everything else has been tried. And for something like the NBA, where you know you there are a lot of there are a lot of different trains involved in order to keep all the trains running. And COVID can put a real wrench in that work. So they don't really have another choice in this other than to make it very, very unpleasant for those who just choose not to do this. Like, this is just a choice. If free Krispy Kreme couldn't get people to get vaccinated, I mean, what else? Like, no, yeah, that, if, we, if you can have all the ladies you want in your hotel room, couldn't get everybody yeah. vaccinated, yeah. you know, the protocols. And so, but I, I, to I, have sex, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, that's not enough. I do I don't think, know though, what your, is. Point, your point, your point, I got is, my sweat block. <laughs> your point, though, Nick, is a good one. <laughs> Keep those, you know, we get the built bars out a little, we weighed down, you know. Uh, but your point, though, that, you know, the Wiggins story seems to be such an exception, you know, and also, too, that it happens to be one of the two teams or one of the one of the not two teams, one of the teams in which the state that they play in makes home games problematic. Um, I, 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 I take that as a good sign. Um, all right. Nick Angstat. Go uh, go listen to him at Locked on Mavs. You can listen to him today on Locked on uh, the Locked on NBA podcast, which you should be tuning into all the time anyway. Um, this was fun. Thanks for doing it. I'm sure we will uh, we will do it again between now and you know the seasons and the preview games and the playoffs and all this stuff. I, I don't think this is going to be the last of you. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, guys.